past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello, and welcome to The Career Confidant, and we're glad you're here with us today, and you are going to be glad that you're here because we have another great guest, Fawn Germer, who's going to talk about how you can get back up and get going on your career and talk about her latest book, Coming Back, How to Win the Job You Want When You've Lost the Job You Need. So, Fawn, thank you. We're so glad to have you here today. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so you just wrote this book, and you said you interviewed more than 300 CEOs, executives, academics, workplace experts, and so you're really going to share with us today some of the wisdom that, of course, you share with people in your book. So in coming back, you write that many careers are in crisis before people realize it. Tell us a little bit about what the problem is and why people's careers are sputtering. Because so many people leave their careers on autopilot. It is amazing how many people think that it is enough to do a good job and keep doing what they've always done. And what got you here isn't going to propel you anymore. Standing still is just meaning you're falling behind. And it's easy to miss the signs that things aren't going right. But if you're not constantly upskilling, doing your own training for technology and studying trends in your industry... You are behind. And so the people who win right now in this environment are the ones who are just insatiably curious, who take classes on what's coming next, and those classes aren't hard. And they don't buy this, this myth that they've been convincing themselves that they're tech savvy when they may not be. Mm, yeah, so that idea that I'm, if I'm performing in my current job well, I'm going to be okay. That's a big one that people buy into, isn't it? Well, yeah, and that's almost as bad as the one which is, well, I've got 20 years of experience. And that, sadly, can tag you as a has-been. Experience is dead anymore right now. It's like, what are you going to do for tomorrow? And the more you say, look what I've done, the more people start to discount you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy, we fight that in a resume writing world, right? People want to put that in their first thing. 30 years of experience, like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but isn't that sad and insulting that you work so hard your whole life and you've achieved so much and it counts for so little at this point? The good thing is that you know you've got the experience. And that's going to carry you forward and above other people, but you've got to get the opportunities first. And relying on experience as your selling point is a huge mistake right now. Yeah, and that it's more like, what if, what did you do during that time that is translating to this current world that shows people what you can do for them tomorrow? To your point, it's, it's what can you do for them tomorrow and then highlighting the pieces that really show that you can do that. Yeah, I kept hearing that over and over. doesn't mean if you are the best person. It doesn't matter if you're the best person for the job today. It's what are you going to do tomorrow and for the next five years. And if you're not going to be the best person for five years from now, and that's not something you can demonstrate right now, 
you're expendable. Yeah. Yeah, and and so people are, as you said, their career's on autopilot. They're not paying attention, or maybe even in worse, right? They're underwater right now. And that's what's so sad is some people just think, I will keep my head down and I'll sit this one out or we'll get a new boss or this too shall pass. And they don't understand that the people who keep their heads down are invisible and dispensable. And they, they come up with all these excuses of why things are going wrong, and some of them are, are pretty valid. I, mean, I have to be honest, I decided to write this book because I kept seeing truly accomplished people suffering from age discrimination. And I thought, well, that's my book. I'll write about age discrimination and how to deal with that. But when I started doing all these interviews, I found out that the issue, yeah, there's tons of age discrimination, but the bigger issue was why. And there's discrimination because there's this blanket assumption that you haven't kept up. And we have to have a very honest, tough love moment with ourselves where we look at what we are and what we've done and said, what am I delivering? Because a lot of younger people came into the workplace and the veteran employees weren't real nice to them. I mean, come on, the baby boomers and the late Gen Xers did not wrap their arms around the millennials. They didn't like their work style. They didn't like their personalities, didn't like their demands, their entitlement, but they would just march into the CEO's office and get, you know, asked for the world right then and there, and they expected everything, and didn't they know there were rules? So there was this generational clash, which was a huge mistake, because the millennials delivered. Those young people could do more with their thumbs than most of us could do with our whole bodies, and because they were younger, they were less expensive to put on the payroll. So they were delivering more, and we were the ones acting entitled, because we'd been there so long, and we thought we deserved it, and then something happened. They started growing up, and now they are in leadership positions, and they are hiring, and they are choosing who's going to get the promotions. And a lot of the people, you know, who are in mid-40s and up, they're like, well, what am I going to do? And the first thing you have to do is understand millennials and work with them and show that you're on a team with them, and you don't have to show them how much smarter you are than they are and that you've got a grandchild that's their age. It's like all of those things that put them in their place just make them angrier. They don't want to be told what to do. It's a whole different beast. But you have to respect them because they delivered and they created the change environment that has made companies today what they are. Now, I, I kind of miss those days when you'd leave the office and when you'd come back in, there'd be that little piece a paper, and it was pink, and it would say, while you were out, so-and-so called. And life was simple then. We didn't have devices. We didn't have so many things to keep on top of. But those days are gone forever. And right now, we are in such a fast, change-driven environment that we have to learn to pivot and shift constantly. And I know people are sick of constantly proving themselves, but that's not going to stop. So... You have to find a way to do this comfortably, and that's what I hope to teach people. Yeah, well, in the consistent effort, you you got to you choose your your pain, right? You got the consistent effort, which is the hamster wheel, or yeah. you sit there for 
years and don't do anything, and then you're completely underwater because you've been laid off and now you're, uh, you know, you're behind. You don't have the skills you need to get that new job. Plus, you've got, as you said, the age discrimination pieces that come along with it. And, you know, Gen X, I got news for you. <laughs> you're now in that age group, right? Um, oh, that well, you're going to start facing that same discrimination. Right. Millennials are really smart and really agile, but the Gen Zers are even smart, more, smarter and more agile. So everybody gets a turn. But it's an uncomfortable moment for people who are over 45 and then much more uncomfortable at 50 and 55 and 60 and if you want to go beyond 65. Now, you can absolutely do it, but you've got to get tough on yourself. and You have to say, okay, I am behind. What am I going to learn? And spend several months just diving in. And the good news is there are so many places where you can get the education you need to get you current. And it's free. And it's good. And I constantly am referring people to Coursera.org and edX.org because you can take classes there from professors from Harvard and Yale and Cambridge and Berkeley and Columbia, and it, and you sound really smart. When I took my first class that way, I took a class in innovation from MIT, and I loved dropping that into conversations with people because they thought, oh, my God, she's studying innovation at MIT. But it really was this free class on edX. It was a great class. And the, the beauty of that was as I was in the class, you know, it was all online learning, I thought to myself, you're spending too much time getting ready for all these tests and, and, and performing on the tests. Fawn, you have your degrees. You don't need another one. You don't need the grade. You need the learning. You need the knowledge. So when the professor, I'm sorry, when the pr- pressure comes off and it doesn't matter if you pass or not, you can just use that as a moment to upskill and then these classes, you know, usually take about 20 hours, maybe a little more than that. Do it on your own time. Then you can put those things on your resume, and it doesn't mean you attended Harvard, but it means you're trying to actively stay current, and that is a currency. Yeah, and I find that people struggle with picking through to what there are so many options. How do you help people figure out where to focus in and what types of classes they should take? Oh, that's easy. That's the good thing about technology. You pick your industry, and then you look, say you're in the insurance industry. So you Google trends in the insurance industry, and then you look up technology trends in the insurance industry, and then you look up robotics in the insurance industry, and at some point, and artificial intelligence, at some point you'll see what it is you need to study. So you get that. And some of these things, you think you are so far behind. And I always think about something that happened to me a few years ago. And I used to be a newspaper reporter. Newspapers were these things that had news in them, and they were printed on paper. But, you know, they're they're relics of the past as well. But one day came, and they told us that we were going to get these machines, and the machines were going to put us on the information superhighway. And they kept talking about these information superhighway machines. And one day the machines arrived, and then they had the training 
to learn the information superhighway. And I happened to be on vacation. And I came back two weeks later, and everybody was on the information superhighway, and I didn't know what to do. And they weren't having another training. And I absolutely panicked. I thought my career was over because I wouldn't know how to use the information superhighway. And for a couple more weeks, I kept watching people getting on the information superhighway at those machines. Finally, I said something to the woman who sat across from me. I said, you know, I don't know how to use the information superhighway. And she goes, oh, come here. So she drags me across the newsroom, and we sit down. She calls up a search engine, types in what I was working on, which was a series on uh, casino gambling in Colorado, and there were about 50 articles came up, and she clicked one, and she goes, see, now you know how to use the information superhighway. And, of course, that <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we can make things harder than they actually are, can't we? Right. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about what people can do to stay ahead and get ahead. So we'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. And welcome back to the Career Confidant. And today we are talking with Fawn Germer, who's the author of Coming Back and talking about how to get the job that you want when you've lost the one that you had. So, Fawn, we were talking about the at the very beginning that for this book you went and interviewed 300 plus people. What was your biggest surprise in those interviews? Well, a lot of the people I interviewed, <clears throat> excuse me, were professionals. And I was surprised that they were so surprised when their careers flatlined. They were just shocked because they thought it was happening to other people and saw it coming for other people but never saw it coming for themselves. And that, that blew me away because that just shows how much we can go into denial. And then an, another thing that I thought was interesting because the, the book also looks at hard-to-place categories like if you've taken an extended time out to 
raise your kids or take care of a loved one or travel. And for them, a lot of them just assumed that they were going to get to get back in rather easily, not understanding that their timeouts marked them as pretty much the same as, as older people, as not current. So they had to get into the game, too. And what was your top tip for those folks who are struggling, people that have been out for a long time? What did you see was one of the themes of people who succeeded in getting out of that situation? Well, like I said, you have to do the the updating. So that means you're taking courses, you're reading, 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 so that you can have a conversation where you're talking about new and future things. So you read the Wall Street Journal, Harvard Business Review, Inc., Fast Company, Wired. So you're current. And then you take all of that and then come up with a strategy for getting into the workplace again. And after an extended time out, that can be very difficult, except if you go through a temp agency because, or you do extended volunteer work. So a temp agency, they need people with your skills. They don't care that you've had that time out. And that could turn into a full-time job. And if it doesn't, you're getting current employment stuff to put on your resume. Excellent. So you found some opportunities that people were taking. um, I call them bridge strategies, right? Build a bridge from one thing to the next. And there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You can take classes. You can, uh, as you said, get some kind of a temporary job that fills in volunteering, consulting, do a project, do it for free, right? A lot of opportunities there. One of the other things that you talk about is networking. So tell us a little bit about what you saw in terms of networking strategies that people were using. Well, this has just been something that I've been arguing about for a long time because most of my my writing as an author in the past has been uh, leadership, women's leadership, general leadership. And I see people building networks based on handshakes, and elevator pitches that are really boring, and then they send emails to follow up, and then they just casually know people. And I always say, if you're going to network with me, it's more helpful for you to know that, geez, I still watch Grey's Anatomy after 17 years, and I have a pit bull, and I am a passionate kayaker, because if you connect with me on a personal level, that's golden. And that's what you want to do is build friendships. But then once you have them, you have to leverage your network. And if you're in a position where you're having trouble getting placed, then you have to go gorilla. And that means you don't just say, hey, do you mind letting me know if something comes open or circulating my resume or can you let them know me about, about me there? No, you say you have job number 165, which came open and I need you to call the person who's doing the hiring and send me an invite to maybe or, or hook us up with an email and introduce us and then maybe get us to, to do a, a coffee and Zoom or something. And ask specifically for what you want, and you call in the chit. Now, you can only do it once, and then you have to move on to somebody else. But I, I had a friend who was in a pretty dire situation. She had been unemployed for more than a year, thought she was going to do it in real estate, and that was not her personality, and she wasn't making any living at all, 
had gone through her retirement savings and was about to be homeless. And so I wrote six people in my network, and the subject was personal favor. And I said, all about this story, told about how this is a good person and a good hire, and that we have to do something to get her employed now, that, that it had to be immediate. And they delivered. Every single one of them stopped the presses, did what they had to do, and she ended up with an $80,000 a year job in two weeks. And that just taught me. It was the two words that mattered most, personal favor. And I can't send them another personal favor email for a while. But what good is having a a network if you can't leverage it? So you go gorilla. And, you know, another thing about networking right now, people say, well, because of COVID, it's just so hard to network. We're all working at home. How am I going to meet people? And the best thing in the world for networking is COVID because everybody's at home with nothing to do. And I learned that right in the beginning of the lockdown. And because I've done so much leadership speaking, I know a lot of people. And I sent 15 emails to very, very senior people who just are always so busy. You never see two of them in the room at the same time. And I said, how about we get together and do wine and Zoom Tuesday at 6 p.m.? I didn't ask when it would be convenient. I just said when the call would be. And Tuesday at 6 p.m., all 15 of them were there. You would never in a million years get that 15-person group together, ever. It couldn't happen. And yet, they were all available. Well, even though things started picking up after the lockdown, people by and large are still around. So that if you're networking people, just say, hey, do you mind doing a Zoom and coffee with me? I just have a few questions about where you're working and how they hire. I'm not going to put any pressure on. I just need to know more of what's going on. And it's a great way to expand your network, especially when they can see you because then you're real to them. And you know, while I'm rambling on about that, it's really important when you do video interviews or just video networking that you think about what you look like, what the lighting is, what your background is. They're going to look at that. So just make it good and then use that so that you can power network because this is a great moment to do that. Well, and I think the other point you said was that people are saying, oh, I can't meet anybody new. And that goes back to your point about use your network. You don't need to meet new people. (laughs) We always focus on in networking the new people I'm going to meet who are going to magically do something for me. It's like, no, use your existing network. One, you can call in a personal favor. You can, you know, they already know, like, and trust you. They're going to want to help you versus thinking you're going to meet someone new who suddenly out of the blue is going to do something for you. So twofold with COVID, one, makes us get out of the idea that we're going to go meet someone new. And two, as you've said, the people that we do already know are wanting more personal connection. And so we can connect with them, have some kind of call, really connect personally, as you said, and also engage them in what we're trying to do right now as well and figure out what they're trying to do. Because like, you know, the 60-some percent of people are trying to make a career change right now, odds are that they, they might want some of your insider help, too. Right. And, and you know what, Marie? This is what's so amazing. When you're using your own network, make them use theirs for you. 
So think about what would happen right. if you and your mentor did a Zoom call and then said to your mentor, hey, next week, can you bring your mentor on the call? And then the next week, get their mentor to put their mentor on the call. And then think about the learning that gets passed. The other thing is you can do these kinds of networking things with strangers that you meet on LinkedIn. It takes a little more finesse. And remember when you approach people on LinkedIn, it can't sound phony. I think it's just, you know, we get bombarded with people who add us as connections and immediately want something. So you've got to be careful about that. And what you do is you identify the person, start commenting on their posts, and then after a time say, hey, you know, I'm really interested in learning about your company. Would that be something that we could talk about in a, a quick Zoom call or phone call? So then you ask for stuff, and then you add them into your network by finding out who they are as people. You know, stalk them a little on Facebook. Oh, you're a cyclist? Me too. So that it's just it's a great time to network. Yeah, I, I agree. So when people are thinking about kind of making this change before we're done here, what is the one one tip that you would give people? And maybe you already talked about it, but just kind of circling back, what's the one tip you would give people to get started or, or do differently so they might get different results right now? Well, it's kind of a twofold thing. There's so much negativity out there. And you have to eliminate the toxic people from your life who, even the people who are also having difficulties, don't listen to that. Don't give any airtime to that. And so you've got to you know, remove those people from your, your headspace. So the more you hear that, the more you think there's no opportunity. And then it can be very discouraging to go through something like this and need to find opportunity when it seems like there is none. And the most important thing you do is take the next step and then the next. And I've got notoriously bad feet. I, I just, they're always hurting me. And I'm a big beach walker and I go ridiculous distances, sometimes 10, 12, 13 miles. And by mile seven, my feet want to go back home. But I learned a long time ago that even when I'm in pain, if I take one step and then another, and then another, I finally get there. It may not be pretty, but I get there. So as you're going through this, always have a list of next steps you can take. Even if there are steps every day, you could put one down, get on LinkedIn and comment on people's posts for 45 minutes, and then touch base with one person in your network every day. Just have a list of steps so you are always doing something. It is so easy because there's this assumption that there's no opportunity out there. It's so easy to just fail and to allow yourself to fail and quit. And you can't because if you are always taking another step, sooner or later you're going to hit. And don't count on online applications. You have to do them, understand that, but the payoff is seldom there if you are in a hard-to-place category. It's your network. So that being the case, be positive about networking. You can do that. That's doable. It's not a negative. It's a positive because the other people are wasting time doing those online applications. Just keep doing the next thing. 
Well, thank you so much, Vaughn. And tell people how they can find the book and how they can connect with you. Okay, so I, I have a freebie, and I think I sent you the link for uh, PDFs on recharging your career during COVID and taking the next step. My webpage is fawngermer.com. That's F-A-W-N-G-E-R-M, like Mike, E-R.com, Fawn Germer. And um, you can buy the book anywhere. So do that. Coming back, how to win the job you want when you've lost the job you need. It's heavy on, on that, but it's even heavier on how to make it work when you're still employed. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Fawn. This is great information. And if you're a coach out there who's looking to take your practice and your client's effectiveness to the next step, we're going to be doing our personal branding course for the Career Thought Leaders coming up this Thursday. And we've only got two spots left in that course. Actually, that's how Fawn and I got connected was William Arruda, who originated that course. And and he knew Fawn, and maybe he was one of your 15. But um, we're, we're teaching that course so that coaches can learn how to help their clients really have that strong foundation of knowing who they are and what value they bring to everything they do. So check that out, careerthoughtleaders.com, and we are starting that program this Thursday. We are going to say goodbye to Fawn, and we will be back here on The Career Confidant in just a few minutes. Thanks, Marie. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello, and welcome back to The Career Confidant, and we're glad that you're today. And we were talking with Vaughn Germer about how to come back especially if you're feeling a little underwater in your career or like you're getting left behind. And she talked a little bit about the beginning, at the beginning of taking courses and upskilling and how you can find courses. She mentioned Coursera and edX. There's a bunch of other 
free online courses, of course, LinkedIn learning that you can take. And I find that a lot of people really struggle with what to take. There are so many options. And even if you're thinking about, you know, digging down into your industry, what can you take? The excellent point is that you can use this as an opportunity to network. So reaching out to people in your industry, reaching out to people that may be your former coworkers, and asking them, what other courses are you taking to stay on top? Or, hey, I'm looking at this course. Have you heard of that? What was your favorite course that you've taken this year? A bunch of different ways that you could ask that question to really connect with people, but also to show that you're learning and to kind of vet all of these opportunities that are available right now to find one that's really going to be a good fit for you, your industry. One of the things I hate, see, hate to see people doing is putting a lot of time and effort into a course or, or a degree, and then they find out at the end that that's not really what they needed or it, it doesn't fit with what they're looking for. It doesn't differentiate them from everyone else who might be doing the same thing right now. And, of course, there's some things that we might want to do that everyone's doing, but then we want to look for those opportunities to really hone in in something that aligns with our strengths and the needs, the, the desires of the future employers that we're looking at. So talking to people in your industry, as Fawn said, you know, doing the research, seeing what the trends are, and make sure you look at a few different things so that you can kind of fact check, right? I see this. Is this People are saying that this is something that's a trend, but I want to look at the source, who is saying that, and then I want to find other things that I can compare it against so that I really make sure that's a trend and not just the person selling that course who's saying that, hey, this is a trend, take my course. Uh, we want to double check that. We want to see what, what people are saying. Also, looking at job title, job descriptions, job descriptions that you're interested in, what are they looking for? And as specifically as possible, so are they looking for a master's of business administration? Are they looking for specific skills in marketing, data analytics? You know, how can you really drill down to one where you might be able to start faster and two, not get into something that isn't what you need and maybe bigger, more expensive, et cetera, than what you really need. So digging in and doing that research before you start taking some of your courses can help you network, help you make sure you're on the right track, and help you see that you get the best bang for your buck as you're doing that investment of time and or money for these courses. And I always kind of preface that when someone said, oh, they're all free. It's like, well, you only have so much time in the day. And even if you are looking for work, you don't have endless time and you want to, you want to spend that wisely. So those are just some tips on thinking about what do you choose and how do you make sure that you're upskilling in the best way that you can, even though it, it may be free, it's not free because it's our, our very valuable, precious time. So one of the things that she talked about and and we talk about on this show a lot is really thinking about how you can keep your head above that water on a consistent basis. And it doesn't have to be that strenuous of a hamster wheel to pay attention to what's going on in your industry. Those emails, you know, industry newsletters that come into your email box every week, take the time to skim them, see what's going on. If you are employed, those all company emails, all company meetings, Go to them, pay attention, perhaps even start building up your courage 
to comment, ask questions so that you can build visibility there, but also so that you're really paying attention to what's going on and you don't get blindsided. You're not taken aback or surprised when your company's having a hard time and lays people off because you've been paying attention. And most of the time, there are signs that show us these are going to happen if we're paying attention and if we're not so uh, overly comfortable that we think it's never going to be us, that is the person that's cut next, right? We have to be a little bit realistic with that and think about what, if it is us, what can we do? What does that next step look like for me? What do I need to know to be marketable if I have to take a step right now? So if we are working with someone or if this is is you as someone who's taken that extended time out Every industry works a little bit differently. So how you might get back in is going to be a variety of opportunities, variety of options. If you are going to do some kind of temporary work or contract work, there are certain industries where you can go to a temp agency and get hired. There are certain industries where that's not how it works, right? That That isn't the, the flow Industries, not all industries use temp agencies, not all types of positions use them. And even if they do, we've got to know the, the right types of agencies to go in. Again, this can be a great place of networking, talking to people who are in your industry, your former coworkers, your colleagues. You know, what types of companies did they reach out to when they needed short-term help? Do they hire contract workers? What does that look like? Can you freelance? Can you volunteer? Can you create an internship even though you're, you, you're not in school? All of these different ideas for getting your foot in the door, and a lot of them come down to some form of networking and thinking about networking, not in terms of, hey, I want to get this job, but networking in terms of how can I uncover opportunities and start conversations that will help me move forward, learn something new, Make another connection, get an introduction, find a new company that maybe wasn't on my list, learn something about a company that is on my list that maybe shouldn't be, or learn something about a company on my list in terms of how they hire and and how it works when the pieces are going to come together. Oftentimes, when people are networking, they get too focused on a specific job, and when there is a specific job, As Fawn was saying, we want to be clear about how that person who already knows, likes, and trusts us can help us get into that opportunity. But if there isn't a specific opportunity, we don't want to force it. We want to have a lot of different ways we can benefit from that networking conversation and a lot of different ways that the person can feel helpful in that conversation to to maintain the relationship, to maintain that network. So get specific and clear with those people who are in your network. And then if someone's a little bit on the outskirts or maybe brand new, you're thinking about broad ways that they could help you so that that conversation is going to feel comfortable and effective for both people. And if you're too focused on one job in those more general conversations, it can be awkward, both for you and for that other person that you're talking to. So as you're looking to get back in, especially if you've been out for a while, or maybe you got laid off here during COVID and your industry is struggling, how can you transition? How can you pivot? 
<laughs> the word of COVID, right? But how can you make that it, that step into something that is doing better? And there's some tools that you can use to do that, but a lot of it's going to be looking at your network, even using LinkedIn to see where other people have gone, where have they transitioned to get some ideas, and then to connect to to continue that networking. And as we're doing that, as we're thinking about connecting the dots, connecting the pieces, it's really looking at what can you add value to with the skills that you already have or the skills that you can get quickly that also somehow connect to your experience. Because if you've never done anything in data analytics and you take one class, probably not going to really help you qualify for a new job. So you're connecting those dots between your experience and the new thing that you can learn or add to it that will add value for that future company tomorrow. How can you bring those pieces together and kind of draw that golden thread between them so that you can make that connection and and not leave everything you've ever done behind because that doesn't work and it makes you kind of look like this hollow ghost but not overly depend on your experience because that may or may not be valuable to the company in terms of what they need to accomplish tomorrow and the money, the revenue, the customers that they need to have coming in tomorrow to keep their business afloat, which is honestly where many small, mid-sized, and some even larger companies are today. And when we understand their pain and we're really able to connect what we have to offer, what we, what we have to bring with that specific pain, we, we can bring a lot to the table and overcome some of those challenges with gaps because we're connecting deeply those dots between what I've done, what I can bring to you tomorrow, and what you really need to stay afloat and be successful right now. And I've seen people doing that really well, even in some of these industries that are really struggling because if the business is still alive, they want to stay alive and how can you help them? That is part of your goal. That's part of your your research as you're doing your networking, as you're doing your job search, to be able to communicate that quickly when you're in your networking conversations in an interview or uh, just moving that forward. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to highlight some of the tips, and Fawn talked about these briefly, but some of the tips about video presence. Um, we did a session on this right before the holidays, and Susan Critton and Jackie P- Peros are, are instructors for the Certified Personal Brand Strategist Program. They shared some pieces of wisdom that I'm not hearing everywhere. So share some novel information with you about how to get that good video presence. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific. Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. So let's talk a little bit about video interviewing and video meetings, video networking, but it's important to not overdo this, right? Offer people the opportunity to Zoom or phone. Some people might want to do the phone, and I think I kind of laughed when Fawn was talking about everybody has more time because a, a lot of us <laughs> who are parents especially may not feel like we have more time, and we've got little ones underfoot. Um, you know, it, it may not feel that way for everyone, so offer them that option. You know, would you like to Zoom or talk over the phone? and let them choose. And if they do choose to go on video, think about what makes sense for that opportunity. So when I talk to people about going and doing networking or career research conversations, I always said think about what dress makes sense. You don't want to walk in and look like you thought you were going to an interview because that's going to immediately set that other person on the defensive. So you need to look nice and like you would look if you were going to work there every day. So insert challenge that now we can't do the, you know, kind of covert research. We talked, we used to talk about, about go to the office and see what people are wearing as they walk in or go to someplace nearby for coffee and see what people are wearing when they come in. Can't do that. But what you can do is go on the company's website and look for pictures that they have of their team. So a lot of companies now have pictures of events or videos of their team. And what are, their, what are people wearing? It'll give you some insight into what's going on at the company, what they expect for dress, and also what type of color scheme they're using so that maybe you can match that and people will feel oddly comfortable with you and not even know why. You do want to stick to kind of more neutral colors, blues, you know, a nice blue can look great on video. Uh, gray can look nice. You want to avoid black, just too harsh. And white 
depending on your lighting, can just glow and be overwhelming. Or if you're a lady, that white shirt might be see-through and and not the most professional look. Now, when you're thinking about getting onto this conversation with someone, my my colleague Susan Critton came up with these that she had gotten from kind of the yoga world, if you will, mindfulness practice ideas of how you can have a better connection virtually to that person on the other side of the screen. So talking about your body and your body positioning and just thinking about that open open chest, right? Making sure you're not sitting in a hunched over position, that you're openly facing your camera, and that you're really there thinking about how can I connect with this person? You're present in that conversation, like which again, hard of us, hard for some of us as kids and things running in and out. But how can you get yourself in a place where you could really be focused on connecting to the person on the other side of the screen? Then, of course, you want to make sure you're looking directly at them and aligned with them. So make sure you're looking kind of eye level into the camera. The camera is going to be maybe just slightly above your eye level so that we, we don't see, you know, we don't want to see down your nose, those types of things. But you're thinking about that connection and you're expanding your attention. You're kind of pushing your energy back to gather the energy from that other person. You're thinking about how you can connect, what questions you might want to ask, and how you're going to how you're going to get that conversation started, so that you're really focused on the connection between the two of you, back and forth, an equal conversation. As a networker, you want to be careful about the word vomit that can happen. Let me tell you all about myself so that you know everything that I can do. It just doesn't work that way. People do not need to know everything about you to help you. Practice what key points you want them to know. And then make sure that they speak at least 50% of the time. I always tell people it really doesn't matter what they know about you. It's do they like you? Because if they like you... You can send them a follow-up email with the details. If they don't like you because you spent the whole time talking to them, you're dead in the water. So thinking about what questions you can ask, what are you really curious about learning from this person? I love that word, and Fawn used it earlier, that curiosity, so that when you enter into that virtual space or even on the phone, these same things help where you're bringing that energy, you're connecting to that other person, you're really present listening to them, and if you can get rid of those distractions, that's you know, much that, even better. If you are virtual, please make sure you're not sitting on your bed. I don't want to see your bed behind you, that your background is clean, and if you have to use a virtual background, that it is professional and you know doesn't have your head in an awkward space of a flower, whatever. I've seen some funky things. And if you... I I would prefer the real background, especially when you're networking to a virtual background because you are connecting and you're letting people into that little bit of your home that's behind you in the video. And there's something beautiful to that. That's that personal connection that Fawn was talking about. And then you want to think about how you can kind of mirror that other person's energy. So this is one of those parts of communication that confuses people because I want to tell you to be authentic and make sure you're talking in your own voice and doing the things that are 
important to you, then I also want to tell you that good communication means that we're mirroring the communication style of the other person in some ways. So if they're talking faster, we speed up a little bit. If they're talking slower, we slow down a little bit. Because that shows that, hey, I'm connecting, I'm paying attention to you. I'm not being inauthentic to me, but I am flexing so that I make sure it's comfortable back and forth for both of us. And most of the time, if I flex a little bit, the other person kind of does it without even noticing, and we come to this great middle point. It often happens with speed and volume that if we sort of match, they also go, oh, I'll come down and and match you there too. When you do that, it makes the conversation more effective. It makes it so that it's more enjoyable. And again, (laughs) when we get off the call with this person, the number one thing is that they like us and that they have maybe one quick way that they could help us. And ideally, they were able to help us with one quick thing on the call so that everyone, everyone feels successful when we get done. When you're in that virtual space, you want to make sure that you are connecting with your eye contact, with your, with your body, that you're listening, and then that you're thinking about how, you, how you're coming across visually. Are you smiling? So this is one of the hard parts, right? When someone else is talking, especially on Zoom, they're seeing our face, right? They're seeing your face while they're talking. So if you are looking down at your phone, you look distracted, you look like you don't care, you look like you're not paying attention. If you are, you know, if you're not smiling, well, are you bored? Do you not like what I'm saying? So we've really got to be kind of mindful in that connection that it continues while that other person is talking, that we are interested, that we're, you know, have that soft smile on our face. And these are things that we can practice when we're on video calls and, you know, practice it in the mirror, whatever you want to do, to just get better at having that resting smile (laughs) instead of the other resting face that people talk about, right? We don't want to have that resting scowl because especially on these video calls, that is troublesome. People are going to take that and, and think about what that means in a way that you probably don't mean it. So we're sitting up, we're leaning forward, we are putting our energy towards the call, we're connecting and mindful about that connectedness, things to watch out for, sitting back, crossing your arms, crossing your legs even, because when you cross your legs, you kind of automatically sit back a little bit. So think about your body position, because that's where your energy is going to go as well. And we don't want that energy going backwards. We want that energy going forward into the call so that those people on the other end hear that energy and, then, and they can connect with it. So if you are you're following the show, uh, I'll post Swan's information and her link tomorrow on LinkedIn. So you can check that out. She's got some free downloads that you can get to, to go along with the book. And if you're following along here, Career Confidant, we'll be back next week with another great guest. And, of course, at careerthoughtleaders.com, we've got new resources rolling out, some of our old shows, putting those into articles so that you can access them a little bit easier. 
and we're always looking forward to what topics you would like to cover and questions that you might have that we can answer. And you can connect with me on those issues at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at CareerThoughtLeaders.com. Again, Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at CareerThoughtLeaders.com. And I look forward to seeing you right back again here next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.